0: This week, we're going to continue in our series on the supernatural ways of royalty. If you haven't picked up a book, you can get it at the Gospel Lighthouse, and uh, they're selling really fast, which is kind of great, because it lets me know that it's encouraging you as much as it encourages us, because you want to get into the book. If you're reading the book, I'm kind of isolating chapter 7 today, or sorry, chapter 6, and we're going to talk about, I've titled it, Empowerment, or Discipleship, and so this morning, as Pastor Carlos spoke last week, if you are here, he did isolate and he spoke for a little bit on words of death. And this morning, we're actually going to flip that coin and we're going to talk about words of life. See, we have people in our life that will speak words of death over us. And when you hear the word of death, if you weren't here last week, it's just negative words that will tear you down. And when, when we hear negative words, a lot of studies will tell you, the last one I think I remember was like, for every negative thing spoken to you, you need about 10 positives to counteract them. And so it lets you know the power of our tongue and the power of what we say and it's not just, when we hear these messages, a lot of times we think of what people have said to us. But there is the other side of that, is the words of death that we have spoken over other people that we didn't intend to. I don't think anybody here would stand up and be like, I'm going to curse this person. And I'm going to speak words of death over them. None of us would do that, I hope. But there is a side of it where we'll say things as we've talked about before, that we just don't need to be said, or we try to critique people that don't need critiquing, and it's just because we feel like we need to share something. And sometimes it's better I don't know about you, my mom taught me this if you have nothing good to say, don't say at all. right? Sometimes that's some good, solid advice. And when I say sometimes," I mean like, all the time. And so there's a part of it that we've all had people speak words of death over us or negative things that have tore us down. And and some of us, we struggle with it most of our lives. Some of you could be teenagers. You could be sitting here and thinking of things that a grade school teacher said over you. Some of us are here and you're older. Some of you could be in your 90s. Some of you could be in your 80s. And are still struggling with things that a grade school teacher spoke over you. This morning, I want to remind us. And we're going to turn the page. I thought it was a good time to do it on Thanksgiving to be thankful for those who spoke words of life over us. And this morning, I don't know about you, as you heard a lot of people yelling out different sports things. I love sports. I grew up playing sports. And I had some really good coaches. And my coaches would speak life over me. And the nice thing is, I like coaches that speak life but don't lie. Like my coaches made it very clear to me that I would not make it far in basketball. played I had fun and it was good and I played all the way up through high school and even a little bit in Bible college but nobody said to me Chad you're gonna make it to the NBA because they all knew and Melissa and I as we watch Miles play sports uh, Miles loves sports like I do he's pretty good at a lot of them and we were talking about you know what sport do we want to encourage him the most because what's he good at and I kept saying baseball, and Melissa's like, well, he's really good at basketball. We should encourage him in that. And I it's just kind of one day, I'm like, you know what? I'm praying. I literally am praying that my son is about, he'll reach about six feet. And you can laugh at that, but I got a cousin. So I'm taller than my uncle, okay? Just <laughs> I'm taller than my uncle. I'm not much shorter than my dad or my brother. And all of a sudden, my cousin's six two. And his dad's not tall either. So there's hope. <laughs> And my mom, her brothers, are, most of them are over six feet. And so I'm praying that my son hits six feet just so he doesn't have to do with the words of death that were spoken over me. Today, we call it bullying. Before, we called it school. <laughs> and what happens is I just kind of said to Melissa, like, we probably should encourage him a little bit more in baseball than basketball. And she's like, why? Well, I'm like, well, I'm praying for a miracle. Well, he's got to stretch a lot. And so there's certain things where people will speak life. But the understanding is we have to realize just because we don't take it as words of life, it doesn't mean they're words of death. I heard an uh, NCAA coach, he said this, players that are playing in NCAA right now are having a hard time as he's coaching through all these years. He said they're having a hard time uh, understanding the difference between direction and correction. Just because you give somebody direction does not mean you're correcting them or criticizing them, right? Like we all know is Miles made us breakfast this morning. You can clap, he's not here. But he made scrambled eggs and toast and everything and so, you know, as he's doing this you're still giving direction and so we have to understand as people give us direction in our lives it's not necessarily words of death but in our society, we're having a hard time discerning that. But I want to talk to you this morning about words of life. And I had a coach, some of my coaches, I still live by things they taught me. One of my coaches in high school, he was a math teacher, but he taught me this you only have to do two things in life. That's all you have to do. So if you're sitting here and you're like, I'm not sure what to do with life, there's only two things you have to do your whole life you have to make choices and you have to live with the consequences. That's all you have to do. And I've had people try to argue this, and I'm sure some of you are even sitting here like, well, hold on. And I even had somebody say, well, no, you have to breathe, Chad. No, no, you can decide to hold your breath and not breathe. The consequences of that, you're either going to pass out or die. I had a friend who was an auditor at the federal government. He's like, no, no, Chad, you have to pay your taxes. I'm like, no, I don't. He's like, well, if you don't, I'm coming to take your house. And that's the consequences of me not paying my taxes. Right? So there's a lot of things. Some of us, we say as Christians, well, Chad, you have to spend time with Jesus. No, I don't. But then that means I'm not in a relationship with him. I don't have to be nice to my wife. <laughs> See, all it ladies. The consequences of that is I probably need to buy a really good couch. No, but do we understand, like, these are, I live by this. And see, the understanding of all I have to do is make choices and live with the consequences, what that does for me is it also makes me understand that no matter what you do to me is I have to make a choice on how I respond. And so it's my choices. It's my choices. I like scrolling through Facebook and just seeing some funny things on there. And one of the funny things I saw one time was, you know, sometimes our life is upside down because of things other people have done sometimes it's upside down because of our choices and it's hard to discern that because I don't know about you in your life but I would much rather point fingers at you guys than at myself right it's, that's the easy part it was Melissa's fault right we see that we see that in the bible the first sin with Adam and Eve what do they do Eve, well Adam first it was the woman that you gave me Lord Eve, it was a serpent. Right? We, this is what we do. But as we make choices and live with the consequences, the way that we have words spoken over us are huge in the way that we are raised and our understanding of who we are as we get older. As parents, we have very much a strong influence over our kids and how we speak to them and how we uplift them and empower them. We're going to read in 2nd Chronicles chapter 22. And we're going to read about David. And here's what David, this is what the Lord says to David. He says this, You will have a son who will be a man of peace and rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon. And I will grant Israel peace and quiet during his reign. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and he he will be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, I don't know about you, but if before I was born, this was declared over me, to my parents, I think they would raise me differently. David knew that this was going to be the king. That in the time that he was king, the house that David dreamt dreamt of building for the Lord would be built by him. That the time of war that David was in and how David was at war all the time with different countries, that's going to stop. It's going to be peace and Solomon's going to reign. David would have raised him differently. Here is God telling David about Solomon. I don't know about you, but it makes me think how did David raise him? One, he would have been raised to rule. If you understand that if the moment you were born into royalty, you are raised differently because of your position. And we as a church are trying to walk through this understanding that as you come into the family of God, you are now royalty. And so we're supposed to live differently. He would have been raised to know who he is. I hope and pray that David would have encouraged him with this many times. Solomon actually tells us in Proverbs 4, starting at verse 3, he says... For I too was a son of my father. A son, sorry, I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart, keep my commands, and you will live. It's very clear that David was straight up with him and said, Listen, you need to listen to what I teach you. If you do what I tell you, you will live. And Solomon knew by his words, still tender and cherished, that he was loved. He was loved by his parents. He was encouraged by his parents. Chris Ballatin on page 73 of his book, he writes, love is always more powerful than hate. When we speak words of love over those people that dislike us or criticize us, love always conquers hate. One of my uncles reminded me of, on one of my old emails, I used to have this signature that would always go out and it'd say, evil can only prevail when good men do nothing. And he told me that how it stuck with him and I don't even remember how many years ago he would have seen that. And it's so true. Especially in the society we live in right now. Evil can only prevail when good men do nothing. When we speak ill to one another... We're not helping. So what are we supposed to do as Christians? How are we supposed to empower each other? Well, number one is calling out greatness. Calling out greatness. When we see people for who God sees them as, not as we see them, we can call greatness out of them. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, The purpose of a person's heart are deep waters, but the one, has, the one who has insight draws them out. I don't know about you, but I've had people in my life and these people have come along just kind of at the right moment to speak life into me, to pull something out of me that was deep inside that I didn't really know was there or I was struggling to get out. God was calling something out of me, whether it was a gift or a talent or an ability or just God stretching me to another level in a relationship with him. Somebody would come along and encourage me because they saw what I didn't see. They would believe in something that I didn't believe in. And these are the people that are pillars in our lives. They're the moments that if we stop and we try to encourage ourselves, we hopefully you had enough that you can go back and hear the voice that'll encourage you. I had a professor in Bible college. I don't know about some of you, but writing tests and writing papers just is not my strength. And so to get thoughts from my head onto paper was always a struggle. And my professor pulled me into a room by ourselves, and he just—he had my paper in his hand, and I won't tell you the grade on it, but he encouraged me and just said, Chad, I know it's a struggle for you, but if I ask you questions in class, and if you speak out in class and you answer in class, I know that you got it. And then he spoke words of life over me, and from a man who has the degrees that he has and the words that he spoke into me, they still hold me where I am today. And I remember it was almost a year ago, right after we did our transition here, that we went to the Bible college to interview people to come and do their internship. And I saw him, and he congratulated me, and I said to him, and this was years ago, I said to him, I said, I want to thank you for the words you spoke over me. And I said, I don't know if you remember. And he goes, he looked at me and he said, I remember. I remember the classroom and I remember the conversation. And it made me, again, be encouraged because he said, I, bel- I still mean it. And when you hear these words, it made me all of a sudden understand that the professors at the Bible college would look past grades to see a call in somebody's life. And there's people in your life that will look past things that only you see and they will speak to something that you didn't even know was there. Or that you thought was faint, but they would speak it and pull it out of you. And strengthen you. Chris Vallotton on page 77, he says, The true mentality of a prince and a princess is this. They spend more time raising up people around them rather than worrying about their own Significance. They already know who they are on the inside, which enables them to become selfless and give out more than they receive. So far in the book, as we walked through, it was a lot of looking at ourselves to encourage ourselves to understand that we are our prince and princesses. That we are heirs with Christ. But now the book is going to take a, a little bit of a change and say to you, now that you know who you are in Christ, your responsibility is to pull others up. Now that I know who I am in Christ, it is my responsibility to help encourage others to that position. And see, we have this, we understand this in scripture where it says, Proverbs 22, 6, it says, start children off the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. We understand this as a relationship with Jesus, but there's also the understanding of if you speak life into them and who they are in Christ, not just a relationship with Christ, but who they are in Christ, when they get older, they'll have the confidence to continue to walk in it. So parents and grandparents in the room, as family gathers this weekend, I encourage you to pray and ask the Lord, Father, what is it I'm supposed to speak over my kids or my grandkids? What is it that you want to say to them? What is it that you see in them that I don't see? How can I encourage them? Show me Not what is seen, but what can be. Help me to speak to their future. He writes in the book about a girl named Allison, and she has attended their school of ministry. And in conversation, she said to him, I love hearing other people's prophetic words over their life. And if you're here and you're not sure what a prophetic word is, it's just a word of knowledge spoken through somebody from God to encourage and uplift people. But sometimes it also shines light on something that people don't even know is there. And what she likes is the reason for that is many of us, if you've heard a prophetic word over your life, what it does is it kind of calls something out of you. It'll breathe life and uh, fan into flame something that's in you or all of a sudden you hear something and you'll pray into it and you realize that God is opening a door for you. And the reason she loves hearing them is this. She says, because then I learn to treat them not as they are, but as God created them to be. Too often, we treat one another as we see one another. And we see each other, and how many people in the room are human? Okay, a few. The hands that are down, it's... Concerning, <laughs> but if you're human, that means you make mistakes. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be known for my mistakes. A teacher was teaching a class, and you see this on Facebook all the time. But it's so true. And as they started, she started writing, or he started writing. They were doing math, and they're just simply doing. The nine uh, timetable, and then she's going through, and she intentionally does one wrong. She goes through and gets them all right, and the class is laughing behind her as she's writing on the board. She turns around, and is like, "Why are you all laughing? <laughs> you got that one wrong." She goes, "I did it intentionally because I wanted to teach you a life lesson. People won't see all the ones you got right. They'll only pinpoint the one you got wrong." And I don't know about you, but for me, when I do so many things right and I mess up one, I don't know, maybe for me it's the other way around. But when you mess up one and people identify the one, I don't know about you, but it's crushing to me. And if it's crushing to you as well, then maybe all of us, myself included, to start concentrating on the nine and not the one. Because if we begin to concentrate on the nine and speak life and lift people up, do you know what happens? Do you understand that the more confident you are, the more you'll speak life into others? Because the reason we tear people down is so we actually feel better. And that's why Chris wrote in his book saying... True identity of prince and princesses Are ones that raise other people up Because they know who they are And if you think about it the, ones, the mentors in your life that you want to be like The ones that you have looked at and said Man if we could have a marriage like that if, if we could be parents like that If I could be a leader like that If I could sing like that If I could play a sport like that We identify and look up to them Because it appears Like they have it together They know who they are I don't know about you, but there's mentors in my life that I identify with and I want to learn from, and it's because of their confidence, is it not? We want to learn from them because they're confident, and it's like, man, if I could, oh, if I could be confident like that, but the closer you get to know them, you understand that they have the same struggles, but they just identify with themselves differently, and the more confident we are in ourselves, the more we can speak life into others, Chris on page 81 of his book, he says, our identity comes to us from the Lord, but it is communicated to us first by our parents. Parents and grandparents in the room, I don't know about you, but that statement is powerful. It's powerful and it's kind of heavy at the same time. To know in my heart that the plan And the identity in my kids that God has for them is first communicated from me. It makes me realize that every word I speak over them or speak to them, I need to be careful that it comes in line with what God has said. The power of a father's blessing, the power of a parent's blessing, of a mom's blessing, we need to understand that God set the example for this. In Matthew 3, 17, just as Jesus was baptized, a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Mark 1, 11 records it this way a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. And just in case you're wondering, Luke records it the same way a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Do you realize this is what God spoke over Jesus before he started his ministry? Before he sent him into ministry, he spoke this over him. So you know what the nice thing is for Jesus? His ministry, what God has called him to be, or to do I should say, didn't earn him. God's pleasure over his life. Didn't earn him something. God was pleased with him before he did anything. Are we pleased with our kids? Are we pleased with one another without receiving anything? Parents and grandparents, our role in this is so important. We need to begin to speak to what we don't see. Declare. Over our kids, over our grandkids, who they are, who God has called them to be. One of the things that we have tried to do in our home is to bring correction in a positive way, and it doesn't always work. I'm not I'm not perfect. I will blow my top. But one of the things we try to say to Miles and Emma is this: is one of our sayings we try to record in our heads is this. You're too awesome to behaving this way. We try to uplift them as we kind of correct them in a sense of, hey, stop behaving that way. We try to tell them, you are way too awesome. At school, if he's having trouble with a friend, always try to encourage him, buddy, you're a great friend. Try to uplift I'm not perfect at it, But I try. Try to speak words of life. Try to encourage correction with words of life. Now that said, number two in your notes is coaches versus critics. And we talked about how in today's society it's hard to people are having a hard time discerning the difference between correction and direction. And so we have to be as we talk this through this morning understanding that we could we still need to receive direction and correction, but it is different than criticism. Galatians 6 Starting at verse 1, it says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Jesus. See, I think it's interesting to read that, that we're just restore that person gently. Coaches will walk with you and restore you, critics just want to state their opinion. I'm reading a leadership book, and by that I'm listening to it on audio. And it's interesting because in the book he talks about this, and he talks about the difference between critics and coaches. And one of the things he brings light to is criticism years ago to criticism today. Criticism years ago, if you wanted to state a public opinion, a lot of times you'd have to write a letter, sign it, mail it to an editor, and then it would get published in the paper with your name attached to it. And then within a few weeks, it's gone. Today, anybody can blurb anything on Facebook, on a blog, anywhere, tweet something fast, and it's out there forever. And everybody sees it. So criticism today is just kind of launched into a whole other place. And see, it's interesting because as this happens, there's ways that we need to protect ourselves and understand that if somebody's coaching you, they're going to help you and walk with you. If somebody's criticizing you, they just want to state their opinion. And this author says he received some great public criticism. And from a bunch of them, he actually reached out and said, why don't we meet one-on-one and we can discuss this because I want you to understand my heart and I'll understand your heart. And he said of all the people that he requested a one-on-one conversation with, only one accepted it. All the others wanted a public format where they could get up and debate. And he said all they wanted was a public stage to share their opinion. They actually didn't want to work through something. And see, if we bring correction to somebody's life, if we want to help them, we are going to walk with them. When we criticize, we just tear down. One of our mentors in our life, uh, he encourages us that if we ever receive, because people still write letters, but they're not signed. And he said, if you ever receive a letter um, on an envelope and it just has your name on it, he he always said, open it up upside down. And that way you can't read it, but you can see the bottom to see if there's a name. And if there's no name, it goes straight to the shredder. Because he says, if there's no name, they're not looking to help you. They just want to rip you apart, and that won't help you, so shred it. And it's interesting how life works. And when people want to criticize, they actually aren't trying to help. My mentor calls them cowards. People that share their name want to help you and encourage you and lift you up. They want to make you the best. And we all have people in our lives that we will receive correction. We will actually receive criticism from people in our lives that we know want the best for us. I have people in my life that will speak into me and they will call me out and they will, they will speak directly to me and I will receive it because I know that they want the best for me. And it's interesting, as you watch coaches, if you don't watch sports, I understand, but if you watch coaches, majority of good coaches will correct their players privately on the sidelines or down in the locker room. Rarely does a coach call somebody out on the, on the court, on the field, and center them out and public, publicly humiliate them because it doesn't lift them up. So they do it privately. So as we not only receive coaching, as we receive correction... Also, when we give, this is how we should do it. Because I know coaches in my life that have lifted me up. And they lifted me up by kicking me hard. But when we love, we encourage. And we are called to encourage one another. Hebrews three twelve says this. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encourage one another today. So now I encourage you today. Encourage one another. As you sit around the table for dinner... Encourage one another. Take a moment. We did this as staff just early in this year. I actually made the staff. We sat down under staff meeting. We had to write on a piece of paper one sentence, which kind of went into like paragraphs for some people, but one sentence with everybody's name. And we had to write something we liked about them. Because I don't know about you, but there's enough negativity in our society that today before you eat lunch, if you're sitting around the table, or even if it's just the two of you, Take a moment and just say something you like about one another. To encourage them. To lift them up. And watch the smile come across people's faces. How many people don't like nice things said about them? Right? Like, if you, my, one of my mentors also said this. When somebody gives you a compliment, Chad, just say thank you. Men, how many of you have complimented your wife and you got a spiel on how she wasn't beautiful? Right? When you're like, you're beautiful. And then there's like, well, you know, and it's like... Just say thank you. (laughs) But we do it in the church as well, right? My mentor told me that, Chad, when people are walking out of the sanctuary, if they say to you, good sermon, good message, you don't need to tell them, well, it's just by the Holy Spirit and it's just by the power of God. He said, they know all of that. They just want to say thank you for being the messenger. So just be quiet and say thank you. And then when you get to your office, take a moment to sit down and say, thank you, Lord, because I know without you it can't happen. Sometimes we just want to say, hey, Mike, great job. Just say thank you. Encourage one another today. Hear my heart. Today, encourage one another. Because we don't know if we'll have tomorrow. 2 Corinthians 13 says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the Lord... and. The, the God of love and peace will be with you. So number three, our commission. What are we supposed to do? Our commission is to call out the destinies that are in people. My responsibility as a pastor is to equip and encourage you, to empower you, to do what God has called you to do. See, so you think we ask for volunteers because, well, we're just desperate. No, we ask for volunteers because we want to empower you to do what God's called you to do. And see, when you step into ministry and you do what God has called you to do, it actually lifts you up and it empowers you. We're supposed to see them as God created them to be. Chris Valston, page 84 of his book, he writes, as a royal priesthood of God... We are called to develop a culture in our homes, churches, business and ultimately in nations that will bring out the best in individuals facilitating their princely destinies. We do this by seeing and treating others and ourselves not as we are but as God created us to be. Some of you will remember Pastor Scott Cooper that was pastored here years ago um he was my lead pastor in cobden and the last time he was down visiting i actually finally had the courage to ask him the question that was on my mind for a long time i asked him i said pastor scott when you asked me to teach the youth sunday school class in cobden did you see something in me or were you totally oblivious to what, the way i was living my life And he told me, he's like, no, I knew you were struggling, but I saw it in you. When we call things out of people, we actually help them get closer to Jesus. Because when I began to see God work through me in that situation, and Scott encouraged me by asking me to teach it, and he said, just don't be surprised if nobody shows up or you only have one or two people. And as the class began to grow, I knew that God was speaking through me and it really made me understand how he had called me and empowered me and it actually, I don't want to say forced me, but it encouraged me and made me change the way I was living my lifestyle because I understood what he had for me. And because of what he had for me, it made me change my life to get in line with it. When we speak and call each other's life into something, into purpose, you will actually see their hearts change. So sometimes instead of bringing correction, you bring encouragement. Instead of telling somebody, telling, instead of telling our kids, instead of telling our loved ones, hey, this is what's wrong with your life, encourage them and speak life into what they can be and watch them strive for it. Because right now, some of us have nothing to strive for. But through this series, my prayer is that you will understand who you are and you'll understand that not only can God call you, but he has. And as you continue to pray for his vision for your life, it'll stretch you to draw closer to him as he empowers you. May God grant us the insight to see beyond the outward struggles of people, people's lives, including our own and to speak to the treasure that lies within us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this service. I thank you, Lord, that we can come into your presence and to worship you and to seek your face. Lord, I thank you that we can stand in your presence. And Lord, when tough times come, when hard things come, that you can stand with us and lift us up. And so, Lord, today I pray that we take time around the table, we take time with one another, maybe... Even before we leave the room, we have it on our hearts that we need to go and encourage somebody in the room. That Father, you help us to begin to speak words of life and speak words of encouragement to people. So Lord, let us be that light to one another. Let us be that encouragement. Let us be your voice. So Lord, protect us in our travels in this great weekend, Lord, and guide us and lead us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.